Hello, good morning, welcome to Regen. If you don't know me, my name is Aaron, so now you do. Uh, Steph and Kyle are gone this week, but uh, that's okay, because we're all here, and we're going to party without them. So, I have a couple announcements before we get started. First thing, if you want to go ahead and check in on Facebook, every time you check in this month, um, a donation will be generated to the Game Changers, which is a non-profit in Warren. And, uh, yeah. Number two, Feast in July. It's going to happen. There will be more information. That's all we know right now. Number three, Journey on Summer Camp. It's going to be, this is important, July 24 through 26. It's from 6 to 8. It's at Grace. Just kidding, it's here. Um, so, we need volunteers for that. We also need people to sign up. If you want to be involved with that in any way, talk to Kat or Steph when she's here, but she's not. So, um, yeah, that's it. Also, I saw in the bulletin there's a flyer about a bonfire for the students. It is going to be happening on June 24th. So, let Danny and Kat know if you're coming to that or check your bulletin. Awesome. We're going to take offering in a minute, which is just a way for us to be generous with our money. So if you want to go ahead and pray with me, that would be awesome. Um, God, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather here today and to um, just collectively worship you as the body, as the unified body, um, as was your intent. Um, we're just so thankful that we have the opportunity to mirror your generosity with ours. Um, God, I just ask that you would find our offering this morning, um, our, our time here, our worship towards you um, to be pleasing. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for being here even among our fears and among our doubts and among our disbelief, God. Our mistakes and our messing up. You're here. We choose to acknowledge your presence and your goodness to us at all times. Jesus, and when we focus on your face and on your beauty, our fears and our doubts start to go away. So Lord, we just pray um, that this morning we would concentrate just on your face. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Not sure if this is on or not. Thank you, guys. It's wonderful. Well, good morning, Regen. 
My name is Daniel. I am the pastoral intern here and at uh, Grace Church as well. And I'm here with my wife, Catherine, who is the children's ministry intern here and at Grace Campus. And uh, we're just so happy to be here this summer. We thank you guys for welcoming us. Uh, for those of you who we saw at the, the feast last week. And, um, you know, Kyle's not here this week, so I guess that tasks me with continuing on in the series entitled Stranger Things. Uh, we had a little bit of problem with slides this morning, so there are actually no slides up there. So you guys are actually going to have to follow along in your Bibles or on your phones or whatever you guys use. Uh, but just to give you a little recap, Stranger Things, this series is on the Sermon on the Mount, which takes place in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And we're entitling the series Stranger Things because uh, that Netflix series really mirrors a reality that's going on in this world. If you don't know that series, it takes place in the 1980s, and it follows a group of children who are realizing that there's another world that is bumping into, colliding, and overflowing into their world. And that world is called the Upside Down. And they, they run into this other friend of theirs named Eleven, and she acts as a mediator between the Upside Down and the regular world. And Kyle would argue that this, uh, this show is the most Christian show on television today, even though it's not exactly Christian because it mirrors the fact that in our world today, there's a very real reality that there's another world that is upside down, colliding and overflowing into this world. And that is the kingdom of God. And Jesus is flipping everything on its head. He's flipping everything upside down. He's showing us that the kingdom looks radically different, radically different than anything we could ever imagine. And this is a good thing. It's a good thing for the life of the church, and it's a good thing for the world. Last week, we learned that the kingdom is not just for those who are put together, not just for those who have their ducks in a row, not just for the religious elite, not just for the financially stable or the weekly church attender. And Kyle helped us understand that this kingdom is also for the last, the lost, and the least those who are oppressed by the injustices of this world, those who are, don't have a moral bone in their body, those who aren't seeking Jesus, those people this kingdom has come for. So with that in mind, if you would like to follow along with me, we're going to pick off right where we left off. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Before we get into it, I'd like to ask all of you a question. Why are you here this morning? Why did you come to church? Why are you in church? You could be doing so many different things. Why do you choose to come here to sit close with people, to sing songs, to listen to someone speak when you could be sleeping in, saving gas money, or, I don't know, watching the actual Stranger Things? I mean, why are you here? Do you come because it's entertaining? I mean, it is. Kyle's fun to watch. I'll give you that. <laughs> the music is great. It's fun to sing the songs. Maybe you come because you just always come to ch church on a Sunday morning. Ever since you were little, church has just been the thing to do. Or maybe you come for the community. You're surrounded by people who love you, who will uplift you, who will be there for you. 
I want you guys to be thinking about what the church is, who she is, and what she's for. As we're reading through this, think of those three questions. Who is the church? Who is she for? And what is her function? That being said, let's go ahead and read our passage. We'll just read it to beginning to end right now. It's very short, very easy to remember. It says this, chapter 5, verse 13 of Matthew. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for your word, for your scriptures, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who's here. We just pray uh, that we'll have open minds and open hearts to what you want to teach us today. Lord, let it not be my words, but yours. Be with us, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Now, what does all this mean? This is probably a passage that most of you are familiar with. It's one of Jesus' most famous teachings. And Jesus is doing here what he always does when he's teaching. is He takes something in his surroundings that everybody would be familiar with, and he uses it to portray a better purpose, a, a good message, right? And the first thing he gives us is salt. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, salt during Jesus' day uh, had three main functions. It was a preservative, first and foremost. They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have ice boxes, even. So salt would preserve the meat. It would preserve their food. Secondly, salt was a flavoring. As you guys get to know me this summer, you will see that salt is my favorite flavoring. And it was a flavoring back then, too. And thirdly, in the life of the Jewish community, salt was used during the sacrifices, certain sacrifices. So when Jesus would say, you are the salt of the earth, they would have these three functions in mind, that it, was, it preserved something, that it flavored something, that it was essential to the worship community. And he says that they are the salt of the earth. Now, what is it that that means? means that they're preserving something, that they're flavoring something, that they are essential to the worship life of something, right? You are the salt of the earth. What is it that the salt of the earth is preserving? Well, as kingdom people, he's talking to people who are a part of the kingdom, they preserve God's kingdom here on earth. They flavor this earth with God's kingdom. But not only that, but they testify the kingdom. They point to, they demonstrate God's kingdom here in this dark world, to people who would never recognize it, to people who would never seek it, to people who would never want it. Because moving forward, Jesus says that you are a light in this world. He says you are a light of the world. And most of you know that passage because if you grew up in Sunday school like me, and if you didn't, that's okay. You just missed out on one of the most awesome songs in the world. It's called This Little Light of Mine. <laughs> it's a great song to sing. And we would sing it as kids, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? Hide it under a bushel, everybody screams, no, no, none of you, none of you, okay. It's a good song, and it portrays a simple truth that this passage is going to remind us about today. All right, they took it right from this passage, and they teach it to us as kids, because as kids, it, we can even understand that 
God's kingdom people are a light in this world. Since they are part of God's kingdom, they by nature flavor this earth and shine light to those around us. Now after having said all of that, let's remember who Jesus is talking to here. A lot of times we can think this is just to the put together, to to Jesus' disciples, right? To those who are listening. But remember, this is all one train of thought. Chapters 5 through 7 is one sermon, kind of like what you're going to hear today. One sermon, one train of thought, at least I hope. Jesus is doing this here. And he comes straight out of the Beatitudes, which Kyle explained well last week. If you missed last week, he kind of explains to us that these blessed are that you see before this could be translated congratulations. Congratulations to the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Congratulations to those who hunger for, uh, and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. He made it clear that this is for the lost, the last, and the least of these among us. And it's not like Jesus is like, congratulations, welcome, the kingdom of heaven is for you, the lost, the last, and the least. But really, you over here, you're the salt of the world, you're the light of the world, right? Jesus doesn't do that, no, he's coming straight out of this, and he says, you, those people, are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And it could be easy to, to think, how can these people testify the kingdom of God? How is it possible that someone who is broken can testify God in this world? So I offer this one simple response, and that is because when the kingdom of God touches people's lives, when people come in contact with the salt and the light of kingdom, it changes people, it transforms them. God uses it in such a way to call people out of darkness into light. God takes the broken, the hurt, the seeking, and the non-seeking, and he invites them in. He takes the men and women who feel like they have no worth, and he tells them they have worth. He takes those who are suffering, who are being treated unjustly, and he tells them the hope that they have that one day every wrong will be made right through Jesus. Not only that, he gives them the strength to forgive those who are oppressing them. He promises those who have anxiety that he will calm them. He hears the cries of the poor and he promises them something way better than riches. He promises them himself and his kingdom that is coming. Those who have depression, he offers them joy in Jesus Christ. That is what the kingdom of God does. That's what the light of this kingdom does when it hits people's lives. It transforms them radically. To those who are bogged down by this world, he breaks their chains and he sets them free. And it's absolutely breathtaking and amazing. And when people are freed from their chains, they no longer see the kingdom that is coming in as the upside-down world, but they realize that this world is the upside-down one. The world that is coming in is the one that is right side up. And Jesus has come to turn this upside world right side up. And he promises that to us one day. So let me ask you again, why are you here this morning? Who is the church? What is her function? Who is she for? Well, to put it simple, the church is a gathering 
of God's kingdom people. The light and the salt of the earth. And they testify that there is a kingdom coming. They testify to the dark world that there is a light. Right? It's not just for us to gather here on a Sunday morning. It's not just for us to come because, you know, Christianity works for us. Right? When we go here and when we go out from here, as kingdom people, we are a light to the world. We offer them something that they never would think would be possible. Those who are set in addictions can be set free. Those who are seeking in this world will find rest in Jesus. And it's just a small part of the kingdom, right? The, the, the kingdom does not stop at the perimeters of Regen Church, right? And when the church is acting and thinking rightly, it testifies to everyone around her that this world is collide, uh, another world is colliding and overflowing into this world. And it comes to say what Jesus is saying in this sermon, that he has come to set captives free. That's the task of the church. That's the task of you and me, all who are in here right now. Right? And it could be hard because today we're faced with these challenges, right? There's this idea of like relative truth, like whatever works for you, right? Oh, you're a Christian. Well, that's just, that's just your way of getting through life. I, I have Buddha or I have atheism or I have this. There's no, there's no more truth. But we sang, we sang a song earlier. It says, I believe that you are the way, the truth, the life. That's not a truth, a way. He is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He is the only way that this world is going to be turned back right side up. And when the church is acting and thinking rightly, it proclaims this to everyone who's around. You know who the light is? That's me and you. If you are a part of God's kingdom, then you are salt and light. And you are tasked with bringing this to others. And while speaking about light, I would be crazy not to turn you guys' attention to uh, chapter 4 of Matthew. Jesus, in preparation for the sermon, he, he says uh, this. Matthew includes this in there. Chapter 4, verses 15 through 16. He is quoting the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. Isaiah is testifying and prophesying to the coming Messiah, which would be Jesus. And says this, And in the land of Zebulun, and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, to the people dwelling in darkness, they have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the shadow, or the region of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right, and this testifies to Jesus. He was that light all through his ministry all through his time here on earth, before he went to the cross, before he died, he was always with the lost, the last, and the least. So much so that the religious leaders were always saying, how can Jesus say that he's a rabbi? How can Jesus say that he's a teacher when he's hanging out with tax collectors, when he's with prostitutes, when he's with unclean people? But Jesus came to tell us that there's not one person in this earth who can be excluded from the kingdom of God. There's not one person whose life is so far gone that God's love can't touch them. Jesus came. 
and died. And guys, I mourn over the fact that the church has not always proclaimed this. There has been times where the church loses her function. So when we believe, when we believe that this, we, when we begin to believe that this message is only for people who think like us, the church ceases to be a church when we believe this message is only for those who look like us, for those who are in the same socioeconomic status as us, for those who vote the same way we do. The church loses her function when she loses her identity in Jesus Christ. He was the first light. And now he tasks us with doing the same thing he did when he was here. Before he even leaves, he says in this passage, you are the light in this world. Before he's even gone. It's amazing. And here's the point. If, if the lost and the last and the least of these can testify to the kingdom, and we're now testifying to the kingdom of God, that means at one point we were the lost, the last, and the least. And that means Jesus has called you. That means you're here today. You are part of God's kingdom. And he's calling you to do something bold. He's calling you to do things that are kind of uncomfortable in this world. Because I, I don't know if you're aware of it, but not a, lot, not a lot of people like to hear anything about what God wants them to do anymore. Seriously, no one wants to hear it anymore. And Jesus tasks you with being the light. This passage not just suggests or begs, but states that since you are part of the kingdom, you will bring hope to people. You will be a light in the dark world. For people who would otherwise never see it. And you know what we offer them? We offer them this, the gospel. That there is a God who loves us so much that he would come to earth humbly in the flesh. He would come as a baby. Like Jesus was a baby. I don't know if you ever thought about that. Like Jesus couldn't even control his own bowels. Like he was a baby. He was a human. He came humbly, born into a manger, lived a perfect life, one that is worthy of being with God the Father in heaven, one that is worthy to have broken hearts mended, one that is worthy of having this righteousness to be with God forever. And then what he chooses to do, he chooses to do is he goes to the cross and he dies. It's beautiful. He dies our death. He dies our death. And he gives us his reward. He promises us his reward. And if you are here today and still kind of on the fence of this Jesus thing or kind of unsure about him, I want to tell you that Jesus died for you. And he loves you. And he wants you to be a part of this kingdom. He wants you to know that you're, you can be set free from your addictions. That he can calm you when you're anxious. That he can give you joy when you're depressed. That he cares enough for you that he would die. And not only that, raise again so that you can raise again too. So that we have a hope after this. So I invite you today, if you don't know Jesus, make that decision. We don't know how much time we have. And if you already decided to follow Jesus... Know this simple message that you are the light in this dark world. It, Jesus isn't here now, right? We know he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and he has tasked us to bring his light to other people. Guys, there is a world around us that is just falling apart. I mean, I love this world. I love people in it. But there are people who don't know Jesus, 
There are people who are heading on a path and not allow people like this that ultimately leads straight to hell. And as a church, we ought not to just idly sit by and watch them do it. We'll tell them about this kingdom. In closing, I want to um, kind of just do this little demonstration. I'm going to ask Aaron, my good brother, to come up here and help me. Uh, I didn't, did you guys do a candlelight service this year, Regen? I think you guys did, right? Well, growing up, uh, I was a part of a, a church that would always go to Grace Church on Christmas Eve. And Grace Church always had a candlelight service. It was silent night, right? And the idea is that there's one light. Normally, it's a candle from Advent, right, that represents Jesus. And that one light, they turn off all the lights, they shine bright, and we all sing um, silent night. And that one light represents God coming to earth, Jesus. He's the light. And it's always passed from people. It starts with one, you see one light, and then pretty soon the whole room is lit up. And the idea is, this demonstrates this well. God says, you are a light. He has tasked you with carrying this. Everywhere you go. You know, Kyle says, first you're uh, a Christian, then you're a plumber. First you're a Christian, then you're a student. First you're a Christian, and whatever your job or career is, what you are first is a light. And you're going to run around to people like Aaron who don't have a light. Everybody's holding a candle. And, you know, the thing is you can't light their light for them because you'll spill wax everywhere. But what you can do is you can come up to them and you can just invite them. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them what he has done for them. Tell them that they can be set free from their addictions, that they can know Jesus, that they can know God, that there is absolute truth in it. We find it at the feet of Jesus. And that's where we find our joy and our hope and our peace. And that's where we will find our joy and our hope and peace when he comes back. So you can just offer them and they can choose to light. And you have two lights. Pretty soon, I don't think, are the slides working? No, the slides aren't working. Well, there's a really cool picture up there. It was going to really drive home the point well. (laughs) But now I guess you guys just don't get it. No. Um, Then pretty soon, just imagine with me, all the lights are off and all of you here are holding candles. This room would be a lot brighter than you would actually think it would be. And then when we leave, you're still holding that candle. So I task you, as well as this passage does this week, that everywhere you go, let your light shine bright. Tell other people what Jesus has done for them. Don't be afraid. Boom. (laughs) That's at Grace Church. And shine bright in this world of darkness. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much that you would choose us, broken people, people who don't have it together, still don't have it together, Lord, that you would choose us to tell people about you. Lord, I pray that we will go out into this world, we will go out into this culture, and through your Holy Spirit be able to testify what you have done for those around us, Lord. Don't let us idly sit by. Strengthen us, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Just communion. Do you guys have a song?
Awesome, okay. Sorry guys, it's only my second week back. Give me a, give me a little break here. Um, okay. As we enter into a time of communion, uh, I can't think of something that better demonstrates the kingdom of God, that better demonstrates God's sacrifice for us. I'm going to have a couple people help me. Uh, Aaron, do you want to come up? Where's Becca? Is Becca up there? Oh, you're singing. Okay, never mind. I don't know. Pat, Pat, you want to come up? My grandfather. Um, you know, Jesus says, this is my body. And he goes to the cross for us. He said, this is my body broken for you. He says, take and eat. And takes wine, we have grape juice. And he says, This is my blood shed for you. Drink. As we do that today, I want you to think about what Jesus has done for you. You guys are welcome to come up and partake. What you do, if, if you're new here, is just take a piece of bread and dip it into the grape juice. Yep, here you go. Come on up. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, but of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and it was upside down. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Have a really good week.